Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 1, and then chapter 10, verses 5 through 10, and verses 16 to 20. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday School lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. For many years, the strategy of the church was to enter into a new area with an evangelistic campaign. Desiring to see the lost come to faith in Jesus, missionaries, church planters, and passionate laypersons eagerly presented the gospel and called people in the new area into a relationship with Jesus. Results of such efforts were mixed. Some people truly came to faith. Follow-up of new converts was usually difficult because little or no relationship had been formed before the gospel was shared. Some considered the evangelistic efforts disingenuous because the entering evangelists did not seem to notice the great needs of the community. The generation that followed wanted to make changes to the church's strategy. They devoted, uh, they decided that the best way to enter into a new location was through compassionate ministries, meet the needs of the people, then share the gospel. People began to use the words compassion evangelism. The rationale was a person cannot hear the good news when their stomach is growling. Uh, there became some challenge to this approach as well. Were we only showing compassion so that we could share good news? Is the church supposed to be about the presence of Christ through his people or the proclamation of the gospel? Obviously, most Christians believe that the church should be doing both presence and proclamation ministries. But it seemed that we still had a gap in what our goals were as the people of God. I, along with many others, have come to believe that the missing link in the strategy of reaching the lost is relational discipleship. If we consider what happens in a Christian home, it will help us. When a baby's born into a Christian home, the parents don't attempt to evangelize the child first. A mixture of caring for the child and discipling the child always comes first. The needs of the child are met by loving Christian dads and moms. From day one, discipleship begins. Parents pray with the child and teach the child to pray. Parents teach the child about Jesus and read and retell the stories of the Bible. These activities can last seven to 10 years oftentimes before the Holy Spirit moves in a moment of time, bringing the child to a personal understanding of his or her need for salvation through Christ. At that moment, evangelism happens and the parents help the child repent and believe the good news. In these Christian homes, we find a beautiful tapestry of meeting needs, compassion, 
teaching or discipleship and sharing the good news, evangelism. Many today are considering the intersection of discipleship, compassion, and evangelism as they minister to people who do not know Jesus. As we move into our scripture for this week, we are confronted with the ministry of Jesus as he enters towns and villages across Israel. You will notice that Jesus' ministry involved three key elements, teaching or discipleship, proclaiming the good news, evangelism, and healing, compassion. Let's read together, starting in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then skipping to verses five through 10, it says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. And then skipping to verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what you will say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. In recent weeks, we've been asking the question, what is the church? We began this series looking at the characteristics of the early church found in Acts chapter two. We considered how to experience God's presence through the sacraments of the church, baptism and communion. We examine the nature of Christian worship and what it means to worship God well. Last week, we studied the idea of the church as the people who steward God's blessings. This week, we will see how Christ modeled holistic ministry to the lost through a combination of teaching, preaching, and healing. 
I am calling Matt, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, Jesus on the journey. We find the heart of the message in the first two words of our passage for today. Jesus went, verse 35. Jesus lived his life in action. His times of solitude and prayer were vital for Jesus as he sought the Father's desire for him, but even the times of prayer propelled him to action. He seemed to be always on the move, going from place to place, doing the work of the Father. Interestingly, Matthew's summary of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, is almost identical to the description found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. These two identical statements serve like bookends that enclose Jesus' teaching ministry found primarily in Matthew 5 through 7 and his healing ministry found in Matthew 8 through 9. Jesus delivers for his disciples and for us a model of holistic ministry to the world, calling people to understand the love of God, to believe the one he has sent, and to receive the healing God intends to give all who seek him in true repentance. As Jesus went, verse 35, verse 36 says he saw the crowds. This was not a passing glance by Jesus. He truly saw them. Aren't you glad that his gaze stopped on you one day? He sees you today. He notices you. The question we will soon consider is, are you seeing those around you? It is sadly possible for you and me to stay busy doing our thing, remaining in our churches, and never truly seeing anyone. If we don't go like Jesus went, and if we don't see like Jesus saw, we won't have compassion like Jesus had compassion. Verse 36 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The Greek term translated compassion refers to loving actions prompted by Jesus' deeply felt emotional response to what he saw. His going led to seeing, and his seeing led to compassionate action. It might be good for us to pause and ask, when Jesus saw the crowd, what did he actually see? Our first thought might be that Jesus saw the hungry, the sick, or the demon-possessed. Therefore, Jesus was moved to feed, to heal, and to cast out the demons. Jesus, however, takes us deeper than just seeing the outward needs of the people. Jesus saw a hopeless people. Verse 36 says, they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This agrarian pastoral imagery was very common throughout the Old Testament. As Israel's Messiah, Jesus was the good shepherd who actually cared for God's flock. He was the answer to their hopelessness. Jesus is the hope of the world, the cornerstone of the good news. We will soon see that Jesus' plan for bringing hope to the world was to qualify under shepherds to go to see and to do what he was, what he was doing. 
seeing the great need for hope in the lives of the people, Jesus also saw the great challenge. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, he said in verse 37. The need required many evangelists to go, to see, and to act out of compassion, or we might say to teach, to preach, and to heal. Since there was more ministry to do than there were available ministers, he urged his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest to call, to call and qualify ministers to fill the obvious gap. When I say ministers, please don't hear seminary trained professional pastors. You see, the Christian faith is grounded in the incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt among us. In the incarnation, God revealed who he is and what he's like. In other words, it wasn't just something he did, it was an expression of who he is. This means that for Christ followers, if we want to be like him, we must be people who bend down and reach out as Jesus did. Going out into the world then should not be just an activity we do, but an acting out of God's nature and heart in us, being like him. All believers are called to go, to see, and to act in compassion. As we move into Matthew chapter 10, we will find some good news and some bad news. The good news first. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples to go and do what he was doing. Through them, he would extend his ministry to the lost sheep of Israel, according to Matthew chapter 10, verse 6. The 12 were to be representatives of Jesus. They were to represent Jesus. They were authorized to speak and to act in his behalf. They were to be a source of blessing and light in a cursed and dark world. The mission of the 12 acts as a prototype then of the continuing mission of the church today. The heart of the message is found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. The kingdom of heaven has come near. When the kingdom comes, everything changes for the good. Jesus' rule as king has broken in and is remaking what has been dis disordered by sin. Jesus is restoring what we have lost, what our sin has destroyed. We can now fully discover who God made us to be in relationship to him. What good news we have to share with the world. Because the disciples had personally experienced the life-changing good news, they were authorized to proclaim it to others. Along with the message, the proof will be in the actions. In this case, the proof is in the miracles. The healed are sick, the sick are healed, the dead are raised. People who have terrible, unhealable disorders are made whole miraculously. Those whose lives are controlled by destructive powers are set free. Jesus' miracles made the crowds aware that something extraordinary was happening before their eyes, according to Matthew chapter 9, verse 33. So too, it would be with his 12 disciples. 
Jesus' instruction to not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans in verse 5, but to go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, verse 6, is really a mystery to us. Certainly, the Gentiles and the Samaritans are part of God's salvation plan, as shown through the Great Commission and the rest of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, however, whose ministry was to the Gentiles, at one time was stopped by the Holy Spirit in his plan to go share the gospel in Asia. We must obey the instruction of Christ, even when it doesn't humanly make sense to us. God has a time and a purpose in everything. The good news to be shared comes with some bad news for the disciples. Jesus warned his disciples to expect hostility and persecution as they fulfilled their ministry. Jesus compared them to freely grazing sheep in a fenceless wilderness, constantly vulnerable to predators. Jesus instructs his disciples to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. In the ancient world, snakes or serpents were believed to have special wisdom, as well as other powers and attributes. Figures of snakes were often found on symbols of power or in association with kings or rulers. They lacked the more negative perceptions we often have of snakes in our modern culture. So when Jesus calls us to be as wise as serpents, he was using the highest cultural image of wisdom. In other words, Jesus called his disciples to be as wise and insightful as they could be in dealing with others. Be wise, but keep your innocence, is the exhortation of Jesus here. The disciples should expect legal opposition from the ruling authorities. They will likely receive the same treatment both John the Baptist and Jesus experienced. In, G in Jewish settings, disciples would be subjected to synagogue discipline. In Gentile jurisdictions, they would face false charges before governors and kings. In the end, even the persecution would provide opportunity to be a witness for the Lord. In, his perse in this persecution, Jesus promised, we will not be alone. The one who sends us will also go with us, providing what we need when we need it. Jesus, you see, is no starry-eyed visionary. He knows what's coming. He was already experiencing it himself. He knew that it would soon take him to his death. In American society, for many years, we've enjoyed social acceptance, even respect. These days, we are experiencing something new. Our culture does not accept the message of repentance, trusting God, and obeying all that Jesus commands. Amazingly, we're surprised sometimes. Jesus tells us to expect this, to continue to share good news with those who are open, and to trust him for all we need. It will not always be easy, but the reward is Jesus, and he is always worth it. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. 
If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.